Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our life. We ask that you please soften our hearts to allow us to receive your word today. Let it resonate in our heart. Let us apply what we need to, God. Let it inspire us to read your word more so that we can understand exactly what your plan, will, and purpose is for us. God, thank you for giving us access to you. We ask that you just fill us up with your Holy Spirit, that you remove all of the obstacles out of our path, every single thing that will prevent us or prohibit us from you know, fulfilling your plan, will, and purpose in our life, God, we ask for you to remove it. We also ask, God, that you convict our hearts for everything inside of us that displeases you and that you replace it with those things that pleases you, God, and that are obedient to you, Lord. Uproot those things out of us that is not allowing us to transform. Uproot everything out of us that you did not put inside of us that was sent out by the enemy, Lord God, and replace it with those things that would allow us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind with your word, God. So we thank you right now that you fill us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us access to your Holy Spirit, God. And so we ask that you just please allow your will to be done in our life. We also ask that you just just keep our hearts soft and melty for you, God. We ask that you just open up doors that no man can close, God. And that you just allow people to come into our life to be able to bless us. That the people that are obedient to you, the ones that pray without ceasing, let them come into our life, God. And let us be able to be obedient to you, God, and um, understand your word. Let us perceive his meaning and understand what you're saying, God. Let us see things and hear things from your eyes and not our own and hear from your ears and not our own so that we can see and hear things from your perspective, God. Let us be able to see and hear people the way that you see and hear them. So we're not leaning on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we are acknowledging you so that you can direct our paths for everything that we need to do, God. And so we just ask, Lord, um, that you just let us retain your word today, God. I pray that you allow me to speak those things that are edifying to those that need it and also encouragement and inspiration to those that are filled with hopelessness despair and and everything else lord so god just allow me to plant seeds and water them and you grow them lord and so i thank you so much holy spirit for filling me up i pray that you allow me to not forget nothing that I need to talk about today in the word and um, specifically make sure that um, I can finish on time and, and do what I need to do for the kingdom. Um, God, we thank you for advancing us in your righteousness. We thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be able to be obedient to you, to understand what your plan, will, and purpose is for us. And God, we just ask that you just please allow your will to be done not ours or anyone else's but yours in the name of jesus christ it is sealed in your time and blood amen thank you all so much for joining me today on laws life and health let's talk about it so um i am talking about women's health i've been talking about it the last couple of months this is a trending topic okay um so just some housekeeping rules if you have any questions that you wanted to say or ask me during the uh, podcast, if you're joining me via Zoom webinar, please go ahead and put your questions in the Q&A 
um or you could put them in the chat as well i will see them there if i don't see it if i don't see your question please go ahead and raise your hand and i'll be able to notice you there um also if you're joining me on any of the audio apps like iHeartRadio, spotify apple um any of those please just go ahead and put your questions in the comment section and i will be able to see them there okay now if you had any questions about um any of the blogs that you see on um my website suddenchangescorporation.org go ahead and drop your comment on the blog and i'll be sure to respond to you there also if you're interested in suggesting the topic or um just adding some input go ahead and send me an email directly at deanna watson at suddenchangescorporation.org if you were interested in getting some prayer please go ahead and send your prayer request to Laws Life Health at SuddenChangesCorporation.org. Now, if you were interested in either um, commit, um, uh, completing some community service that's mandated possibly by the court, or if you just wanted to do some volunteering or an internship for school, um, please go ahead and send that request over to info at SuddenChangesCorporation.org, okay? All right, so I'm going to get started today in the Word. I'm going to just get right in the Word. So um, the other day, what was that, Tuesday, I was talking about just staying positive and how we can um, just advance in the kingdom of God just from us being diligent by making sure that we are being obedient to what God wants us to do, being able to be available for the Holy Spirit and God, and just making ourselves, you know, um, open for understanding what God requires of us. We have to have discernment. So let me just go ahead and get right into word today. Okay. So let's go here. All right. Oh, I also, I have a great video today. I wanted to show you all um, because I'm still talking about um, basically uh, just Thinking about the negative things only as a reminder of how far God has uh, brought you. So when we think about negative aspects of life, many people don't tend to like embrace those negative moments. People don't like those failures. But see, I've talked throughout my podcast almost a year now. In a couple months, I'll be on here an uh, uh, entire year. I've been on here every single day. Ah, time just go back so fast, doesn't it? So, um, so the main point is, it's like I've been talking about how failure is an opportunity. Failure is not a permanent condition. It is a temporary one. Um, failure also, if after so many times, is going to eventually equate to success so failure equates to success that is if you're looking at it from that perspective okay so it's all about your thoughts everything starts with a thought eve sinned because she thought that it was desirable for knowledge she thought it was desirable for wisdom it was pleasing to her eye you know we do a lot of different things in this world because of desires 
But these desires really are ignited from your thinking, from your thoughts. That's how they are generated. So desires are really generated from the way that you think. So negative things that happen in your life, you formulate an opinion about it. You, you know, you um, basically you have these preconceived notions and belief systems based off of your experience. And also a lot of the times what you have been taught by other people. So this is learned behavior. So everything that we know is pretty much learned behavior that was either taught to us, self-taught, taught to us by our parents, our inner circle, our peers, um, academic institutions, churches, mentors. We have all of these different outlets that sort of influences the way that we think. And so in order for us to be able to combat some of these negative notions or these negative pre-existing thoughts and belief systems, we have to analyze how we are perceiving these negative experiences. How are you going through life after overcoming an abusive relationship? How are you overcoming a betrayal from a close friend, a best friend? How are you overcoming the interactions that you have with the opposite race, specifically in the opposite race that are maybe prejudiced or racist? How do you move forward with some of these negative experiences that you've been enduring? So today, guess what? I want to start off with, um, first, let's start off with a scripture, right? Um, let's look here. So I talked about on Tuesday, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. It says, run from sexual sin. And before I even get into the word, I want to let everybody know that this podcast is for mature audiences. All right. You should be a mature person, mature, mature, however you want to pronounce it. Okay. Um, so run from sexual sin, but how can people run away from sexual sin if you're always desiring sex? How? You have a desire to be sexually satisfied. And I'm also looking at the New Living Translation today, okay? That's just for this scripture though. So it says run from sexual sin. But if your body is combating these internal inconsistencies, well, well, the word of God is saying run from sexual sin, but your body is saying that you want to be, you want to satisfy your sexual appetite. 
You want to sex satisfy these sexual desires that you have that are lurking on the inside of you. Well, see, this is where it comes. This this is where it becomes pertinent to your overall progress in life and your and also in your relationship with the Lord and your walk with Christ. You have to be able to show God that you were letting go of these desires by how how do you how do we let go of a desire that's already inside of us? We have to talk and call upon the name of the Lord. So it's like, okay, well, I have these desires, but I'm not going to satisfy these desires because I'm going to call on God. God, I ask that you just take these desires out of my heart, out of my body, out of me right now. Let me dominate this body that I am in. God, you, this body is a vessel to be used for you. So God, I need your help to overcome these desires that I am feeling. So it's really about, can you be open and honest about the things that is going on in your life? Because guess what? If you can't be honest with God, who are you going to be honest to? You're going to be honest with people. People fail. They fail themselves. So what makes you think they are not going to fail you? So God does not fail us, which is why it's, it's equivalently important for us to make sure that we're calling upon the name of the Lord. So when it says run from sexual sin, we're running to the altar. We're running to the throne of grace. We're getting on our, our knees exactly where you are right now. You're getting on your knees and you're praying to God. And you're telling God, look, God, I need your help to be able to combat these desires. So it says no other sin is so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. See, if God paid the debt for you and you go back to that same sin that God paid for. Now you're going further, further in debt. Because like you're, you were not, your body wasn't created for you to be out of whack. Your body wasn't created for you to just fulfill desires. So you're, you were meant to be a strong person. You are meant to have qualities that are dominating. You are meant to have qualities that are catalysts in society. You are meant to be strong. So when you satisfy your desire or you give me into the person who betrayed you, guess what you just did? You just gave me into your 
desire. Yes, you, yes, you are weak, but guess what? The, the Bible says that in your weakness, God is made perfect. So if you're weak and you're not calling God, then you're allowing that condition because it becomes a condition. That desire eventually is controlling you. So that becomes a condition. Now, you can allow it to be a temporary condition or you can allow it to be a permanent condition. For instance, I always say that excuses are permanent conditions. Excuses are permanent situations that people allow to overpower their life. They disempower themselves when they make excuses. So you become in a permanent situation because you've allowed yourself to make excuses for an experience that you could have let go of. But you didn't choose to let it go. You chose to give in to your desires. No. See, I'm going to check her for saying what she said. Now I'm going to check dude for coming at me the way he did or you know, I'm going to make a complaint with HR and I'm going to show him who's in charge. At your job, how you are a cheater and you cheat on your wife. You know, it's never ending. So God doesn't want us to... Focus on those type of things. We should not have a reprobated mind. Our mind needs to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have to let go of the, the desires. That means we letting go of everything of the old and we're setting up for the new. That means like, okay, so I'm not going to engage with that person in a way where I'm going to let this negative experience keep me disempowered when i have the authority of christ i have the authority and the power of the holy spirit that allows me to be put over in life and not put under in life so it doesn't matter about what people say think believe or think about you I'm going to say that again. It doesn't matter what people, people say, think, believe, or think about you. What matters is what is being internalized in your life. What is it that you believe? See, you can't go by what they say. It's not about what they say. You're not who they say you are. You are who God says that you are. That means that you're what? You're more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are an heir to the throne. You are God's child. So who cares about what somebody say, think, believe, or feel about you? 
So you have to have self-reflection. We all must have self-reflection. This self-reflexivity allows us to look at our actions, to look at ourselves internally through the lens of how God sees us and allow us to go to the throne of God and talk to him about us. You have to talk to God about you. I talk to God about me, God, you know? That, I'm hurt by what she said. You know, or, you know, I'm hurt by what he did. But you know, God, I just put this in your hands, God. I know, like, I don't want to be attached to that situation in a way where I'm in unforgiveness. I'm not in unforgiveness. I don't want to be held down in no chain because of what somebody said or what somebody did. You're in spiritual bondage that you can't see. So you, in order to break the chain, in order to break the stronghold, you have to let it go. That means when you let it go, it's like, uh-uh, see, I can't attach my mind to that situation anymore. See, my, my thoughts are not attached to that situation. My future is not attached to that situation. See, my future relationships are not attached to that situation. My future friendships, my future network is not attached to a broken investment of my past. My my future spouse is not going to be condemned for what my old spouse did. See, that don't have nothing to do with them. Why is, why are you condemning people that had nothing to do with your previous experience. They had nothing to do with it. Condemnation. Let it go. We have to let it go. I just let it go. God, you know, I know you, I think about all the things that God has done for me. I have been around some people, okay? And I will tell you that when I say uh, overwhelming, your mind will be way more far over exceeding overwhelmed, okay? Yeah. It's and it's 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 better. It's, it was like way more than just the movie. It could be compared to a movies. Living in Chicago is like living in a movie, but it's in real life. This is like reality. Okay, the re- reality of life hits the fan when you live in Chicago. It's a movie. So in order to in order to disintegrate in disin disin uh great yourself from that 
disattach yourself from that. Living a life of a movie. Being around people that are extremists. See, I have I have quite a few friends that are extremists. I, I had some friends in my life that will say, oh, no, I would never date a man if he's been arrested. They wouldn't date a man that's been arrested ever. But will then go and date a man that will cheat on you. So, like, it's still all the same. It's like, you know, you judge this person, you judge that one. Hey, you know, maybe we're all just looking at the wrong characteristics. You thought about that? Is it really about the socioeconomic status? If someone's heart is cold and cruel? Just because they have a, a high level of income, does it equate to them being a good person? I've been around people that are extremely wealthy, and then they, I would be like, you know, you're you don't you you don't have a good heart, <laughs> and that is mean. I don't like that cruelness that comes out of you. You don't have a good heart. Your heart is not good. You are cruel. And so you have to look at, okay, so is it a good opportunity cost to be around it? So just think about your influences and what is influencing your thinking. Your environment is always going to influence you. Your network of people that you know are always going to influence you. There's a scripture. I know I got all these other scriptures up here, but let me go to this other scripture. Here we go. We're going to go to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13 and 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. That's the NIV version. So the New Living Translation says, if you walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. That's the New Living Translation. If we look at the King James Bible, it says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. The Amplified Bible says, He who walks as a companion with wise men will be wise, but the companions of conceited, dull-witted fools are fools themselves and will experience harm. That's Proverbs 13 and 20. So I'm going to look at something here. Go If you can go to the um, Strong's Concordance. So um, the Strong's Concordance, I would like to look at the word um, wise here. And I'm going to be looking at it from 
the Proverbs 13 and 20. So let me explain what the um let me explain what the strong concordance is. So the strong concordance, and I know that I say this every single podcast almost when I'm looking at something in the strong concordance, but just to be um just just to provide information to the new listeners, it's important for me to explain it. So the Bible is comprised of two different testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew scrolls, okay? So the first five books of the, the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that is considered the Torah, which is the law. So we have the Old Testament, which are from the books of Genesis to the book of uh, Malachi. The New Testament is from the books of Matthew to the books of Revelation. The Bible has 66 different books. In the New Testament, however, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so this is considered the Gospels. It talks about the life of Jesus and when Jesus was here on earth. We also can understand that the in the New Testament, it is written in Greek, okay? And so the way that we understand the word of God, we understand it through the interpretation of a concordance, the Strong's Concordance. It gives you each word. Each word has a Strong's number attached to it along with its lexicon definition or lexicon number or word. And so in the Bible, if we look at the word perfect, for instance, it has nine different, um, it has eight different meanings in the dictionary of the word perfect. But in the Bible, the word perfect is mentioned 23 times and it has, no, I'm sorry. Let me, let me take that back. Uh, let me look at this again. So the word perfect here is mentioned in the Bible 94 times and it has 23 different meanings. Okay. So even though it has all of these different meanings, guess what? It still has similar, they are similarly correlated, okay? Which means they are closely um, resonated with each other, but they just have different meanings. They're innately similar, okay? And so you have the word perfect mentioned 94 times in the concordance. So the concordance tells you each time a word was mentioned in a Bible. For instance, the word Christian. The word Christian has been written in a Bible three times. Three times. So the major significance in the, of the word Christian is only mentioned three times compared to other words that are mentioned in the Bible. For instance, the word perfect is mentioned 94 in 94 different verses. It has 23 different definitions of the word perfect. So the way that we analyze the Bible, um, we want to make sure that we're looking at the King James Bible. So I'm going to go here. Um, I was looking at the word wise. Um, okay. So the word wise, let's look this up here. The word wise is mentioned in 237 different verses. It has three, 33 different meanings, 33 different definitions, 33 different lexicon numbers, Strong's numbers. Okay. And so before I get into, into, you know, the breakdown of 
the word wise from um the book of proverbs i want to make sure that i explain something too so when jesus was here on earth he was 100 man and 100 god so the good thing about jesus was that when he, while he was here on earth he did not use any of his earthly powers i mean any of his godly powers to defend himself so god was tempted in many different ways while he was here on earth to be tempted to use his godly powers in a way to defend himself so they they said to him well if you're you're the son of god go ahead and save yourself right so we see this in the gospel and another thing right jesus went while he was here on earth he just wanted to show us that he can he can become fleshly and lowly like us and not use any of his powers to defend himself so like when you are you know like when when something is going on in your life you want to defend yourself if somebody betray you you want to defend yourself when you are talked about you want to defend yourself when 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 your husband cheats on you you want to break it off you want to tell everybody how that, that how he was wrong you're defending your character as if like you didn't have anything to do with him doing this cheating on you so it's all about you know we as human beings we are going to automatically want to defend ourselves so jesus christ he was 100 man and 100 god and so the good thing about this is that jesus only used his earthly his power his godly power to heal the sick to raise the dead and so he showed us even though he could become flesh like us he can become lowly like us, but yet he still did not sin. He did not defend himself at all, ever. And so when I think about the attitude of Jesus, I think about how he did not ever defend himself. So when we're looking at this scripture here in Proverbs 13 and 20, I want you to play close attention to the strong concordance the, the hebrew word for the word wise in this instance okay because it's so important for us to be able to analyze the word of god from the perspective of exactly the way that god wants us to perceive it so we were in proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 And here we go. Um, it says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. This is Strong's number 02449. So we're gonna we could denote the zero because any number that is in a strong's number, the zero is denoted. That means you just remove the zero, okay? So it's two four four nine, it is pronounced call cam call cam it means to be wise in mind word or act exceeding teach wisdom make self 
Shoe self. Show, shoe self. Wise deal. Never so wisely. Make wiser. So we see like last week I talked about the word wise and how the word wise and um, I believe in Greek was uh, cunning, right? It also meant um, a soothsayer. But in, in this instance, in, in the Hebrew translation, Strong's number 2449 called Cam. It means to be wise in mind, word, or act. Teach wisdom. So we see that if you walk with the wise, then you will become wise. So that means if you're teaching wisdom, if you are, you have the mind of wisdom, you have actions that are wise, you can teach wisdom, you can show wisdom. Then you make other people wiser. So the interesting thing about like, maybe I can just do a podcast just about how God did not defend himself. Because this is so powerful. It's like when you're going through situations, it's like, oh, you be you can play a victim or you could be the vic the you can have victory. Which one which one do you choose to be to walk in as a victim or walk in victory? Because it doesn't matter what I've experienced in my life. I am walking in victory. Amen. I live in victory because I have God Almighty on my side. I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. So I live, I walk, I breathe victory. And so it's about your perspective, your perception in life. We have to make sure that we are not having companions that are fools. Because if you walking around saying, oh, I don't get influenced by this. The, the TV don't influence me. That don't influence you. Everything that you're doing in your life, you're being influenced. Everything. Everyone is being influenced. So if you have to make sure that you're protecting your space in a way where your companionships, your friends, your network, your associates... The people that you choose to listen to are the people that are pouring information into your life. They are going to lead you somewhere because you value somebody's opinion. You have loyalty to somebody in this world. So you want to make sure that your loyalty stands with God before that it stands with people. And that could be a difficult process when you have so many friends, so many people within your network. So just think about that, you know, um, these are all important things. And uh, let me go back here. So that was Proverbs 13 and 20. And I'll put that up there too. Proverbs 13 and 20. Proverbs 13 and 20. 
Give me one moment. Okay, thank you all for your patience there. So another thing that I wanted to mention, um, so going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. So you run run from sexual sin. But when you when you're trying to let go of the old and you go living in the new, you gotta call on God. You can't do things within your own power. You might think you strong enough, but it's like, uh-uh, no. You have sex on your mind. You can't do it on your own. You need the power of God to deliver you. So you get in your word. You just, you you force yourself not to have sex. You abstain from it. You don't do anything that resembles it. Like, you don't get on the phone with your favorite girlfriend. Or you don't get on the phone with your favorite boyfriend you don't do any of that whatever it is that you have going on in your life all right just stay away from it refrain from it you have to allow god to give you discipline in your life so i wanted to talk about um getting stuck in the negative and how to get unstuck so this is a lady this is an actual youtube video it's about 10 minutes long but it's quite, it's a very interesting um, TED Talk. Um, so Allison Ledgerwood, uh, she joined the Department of Psychology at the University of California, um, Davis, in um, 2008 after completing her PhD in social uh, psychology at New York University. She is interested in understanding how people think and how they can think better. Her research, which is funded by the National Science Foundation, investigates how certain ways of thinking about an issue tend to stick in people's heads. Her classes on social psychology focuses on understanding the way people think and behave in social situations and how to harness that knowledge to potentially improve the social world in which we all live. In the spirit of ideas worth spreading, TED Talk is a program of local self-organized events that bring people together to share a TED-like experience. At a TEDx event, TED Talks video and live speakers combine to spark deep discussion and connection in a small group. These local self-organized events are branded TEDx, where X equals independently organized TED event. The TED conferences provides general guidance for the TEDx program, but individual TEDx events are self-organized. Many of these rules are subject to um, change, okay? So I wanted to say that basically TEDx or TED Talk events are similar to like going to a concert, but they are not a concert. They are more so like an event that, allows you the opportunity to learn and, and so it is food for your mind so it's an environment but it's similar to a concert because there's a lot of people there but you're just listening you're learning so it's a, a learning concert it's a way to absorb information so i don't listen i don't believe every single thing i hear right which is why God says that we should study. Let's go to that scripture before I turn to this video. 
So the Bible tells us, and so if this if this does not come up, I'm gonna have to. I think I'm gonna have to pull it up on a different browser. Let me just pull it up here. If you go to Second Timothy uh, two fifteen, it says, "Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, right rightly dividing the word of truth." So we can study things. Don't just go by what you hear. Read, pick up a book, put pick up your Bible. It should be no reason why you don't have a Bible on your phone. If you don't understand it, look at the different translations. Select the translation that you like. Because, see, we living in the last days. These are prophetic signs that are being fulfilled. Man, you don't want to learn it too late. So download the Holy Bible app. Look at start out at, or you can also wish there's another one called the Living Uh. I think it's called, let me see. This one is um the the new life version. Yeah, it's the new life version and the new living translation. Those are two translations. That I know for sure that many people can um, understand those. So, um, yeah. So, God wants us to study to show thyself approved. We need to be studying the word of God. So that we can divide the word of truth. See, God is the truth. Everything else is a lie. Everything else is deceitfulness. So, when you hear people speaking the truth, that is coming from a place that that means that they still have God in them. So that's why it's important for us not to judge other people because you don't know. You don't know who God working on. You are not God. I'm going to say that again. We are not God. We are like God, but we are not God. That's the difference. So. When you hear people speak positive things, good things, the truth comes from God. The truth comes from God. Now, some people that when even it says, let me go to this other scripture. See, God got me on a roller coaster. Not a well, God just got me going all through his word tonight. So let me go to this other scripture. So here's another one here. So you got a Matthew chapter seven, verse 11. It says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So what this is saying is even evil people, they still know how to do good things. That's because they battle with what, what's going on in their life. They battle between good and evil. So the word of God is telling us here in Matthew 7 and 11, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So what we can understand from this scripture is that Evil people still have a little bit of God in them. 
So don't be going judging them. We need to pray for God's children. That's what it says. That's what God wants us to do. And I'm going to pull that scripture up too. But let me go ahead and get into this um, TED Talk. We're going to listen to Allison Ledgerwood. Um, and it's talking about getting stuck in the negative and how to get unstuck. Okay. This is like TED Talk is like an exciting moment, exciting experiences um because you can gain some valuable information so the most important thing here before i play this is i want you all to know just always remember make sure you absorb the positive information the things that are relevant relevant information it doesn't matter if they have a different belief than you it can still apply maybe to another person's life that you know. You could go and talk to someone else about it. You know, it, it may not apply to you, but it can apply to your sister or it can apply to your cousin or it can apply to your uncle. So you take in whatever information that you're learning. You absorb that information in a way where you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this in and I'm going to discard the rest. So let go of the, the negative components, the negative aspects, the things that do not apply to you and apply the, the negative aspects and the experience and the, what you're hearing and what you're learning and, uh, and be able to take that information in. Either help yourself with it and help or help other people. And so that's the way that we learn. All right. And so um, let me go ahead and just play this video. All right. Hi everyone. Gosh, I wish I could dance, but I can't and you really don't want me to. So instead, I thought I would talk a little today about how people think. I'm fascinated by this question. I'm a social psychologist, which basically means I'm a professional people watcher. So this is what I do. I try to figure out how humans think and how we might be able to think better. And here's something I noticed a few years ago about how I seem to think. Here's a typical week in my life, which usually seems to revolve entirely around publishing papers. So here I am in the maximum of my artistic abilities as a stick figure, going along at baseline, and a paper gets accepted. I get this rush, this blip of happiness, and then I'm back to baseline by about lunchtime. A few days later, a paper might get rejected, and that feels pretty awful and I wait for that blip to end, but somehow I just can't stop thinking about it. And here's the craziest part. Even if another paper gets accepted the next day, well, that's nice, but somehow I can't get that pesky rejection out of my head. So what is going on here? Why does a failure seem to stick in our minds so much longer than a success? Well, together with my colleague, Amber Boydston, in the political science department, I started thinking about this question, this question of do our minds get stuck in the negatives? We all know intuitively that there are different ways of thinking about things. The same glass, the saying goes, can be seen as half full or half empty. And there's a lot of research in the social sciences showing that depending on how you describe the glass to people as half full or half empty, it changes how they feel about it. So if you describe the glass as half full, this is called a gain frame because you're focusing on what's gained, then people like it. 
But if you describe the same glass as half empty, a loss frame, then people don't like it. Okay, I apologize. It looks like my internet is slowing down a bit. But um, while that's loading, because it's still loading here. Um, so she talked about constantly thinking about the rejection and the failure, right? And when you're looking at, at things from like the, the way she just explained the glass. So the glass is half full. That's looking at it from a game frame. So you're looking at it from an optimistic perspective. You're like, okay, I'm looking at what I do have, not what I don't have. But if you look at the glass and you're looking at it from, well, the glass is half full. You're looking at it from a loss frame. You're looking at all the things that you don't have. And that is a pessimistic attitude. So you don't want to have a pessimist. Even though she doesn't say optimistic, she doesn't use the terms pessimistic. It's still the same. Gain frame is optimistic loss frame is pessimistic you don't want to look at life and go through every single thing that you're going through and experience and look at it from a perspective of pessimistic you're focusing on what you don't have the glass is half empty instead of looking at well i have a half glass of water here you're looking at what you don't have. So instead of you focusing on, okay, well, I don't, I, I don't have a car or I, I don't have shoes to get to work in or the proper attire. I don't have this. I don't have that. You can't focus in life on the loss frame because that's pessimism. If you're going to be an opportunist, uh, 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 optimistic type of person, you have to look at what you do have. And so let me just, it still hasn't loaded all the way. I'm at two minutes and five seconds. This, this screen is still loading here. So let me see if I could pull, this is a very good video. Um, I'm going to see if I could pull it up on a different browser. Okay, so this browser seems to be working fine. So I'm just go back to two minutes and five seconds here. Okay. Hopefully it doesn't do that again. Half empty, a loss frame, and people don't like it. But we wondered what happens when you try to switch from thinking about it one way to thinking about it another way. Can people shift back and forth or do they get stuck in one way of thinking about it? Does one of these labels, in other words, tend to stick more in the mind? Well, to investigate this question, we conducted a simple experiment. We told participants in our experiment about a new surgical procedure, and we randomly assigned them to one of two conditions. For participants in the first condition, the first group, we described the surgical procedure in terms of gains. We said it had a 70% success rate. And for participants in the second group, we described the procedure in terms of losses. We said it had a 30% failure rate. So it's the exact same procedure. We're just focusing people's attention on the part of the glass that's full or the part of the glass that's empty. 
perhaps unsurprisingly, people like the procedure when it's described as having a 70% success rate, and they don't like it when it's described as having a 30% failure rate. But then we added a twist. We told participants in the first group, you know, you could think of this as a 30% failure rate. And now they don't like it anymore. They've changed their minds. And we told participants in the second group, you know, you could think of this as a 70% success rate, but unlike the first group, they stuck with their initial opinion. They seemed to be stuck in the initial loss frame that they saw at the beginning of the study. We conducted another experiment. This time we told participants about the current governor of an important state who is running for re-election against his opponent. We again had two groups of participants and we described the current governor's track record to them in one of two ways. We said that when the current governor took office, statewide budget cuts were expected to affect about 10,000 jobs. And then half the participants read that under the current governor's leadership, 40% of these jobs had been saved. And they like the current governor. They think he's doing a great job. The rest of the participants read that under the current governor's leadership, 60% of these jobs had been lost. And they don't like the current governor. They think he's doing a terrible job. But then, once more, we added a twist. For participants in the first group, we reframed the information in terms of losses. And now they didn't like the current governor anymore. And for participants in the second group, we reframed the information in terms of gains. But just like in the first study, this didn't seem to matter. People in this group still didn't like the current governor. So notice what this means. Once the loss frame gets in there, it sticks. People can't go back to thinking about jobs saved once they've thought about jobs lost. So in both of these scenarios, actually, the current governor gets ousted in favor of his opponent. Well, at this point, we were getting curious. Why does this happen? Could it be that it's actually mentally harder for people to convert from losses to gains than it is for them to go from gains to losses? So we conducted a third study to test how easily people could convert from one frame to another. This time, we told participants, imagine there's been an outbreak of an unusual disease and 600 lives are at stake. And we asked participants in one group, if 100 lives are saved, how many will be lost? And we asked participants in the other group, if 100 lives are lost, how many will be saved? So everyone just has to calculate 600 minus 100 and come up with the answer of 500. Whereas people in one group have to convert from gains to losses in order to do that, people in the second group have to convert from losses to gains. We timed how long it took them to solve this simple math problem. And what we found was that when people had to convert from gains to losses, they could solve the problem quite quickly. It took them about seven seconds on average. But when they had to convert from losses to gains, well, now it took them far longer, almost 11 seconds. So this suggests that once we think about something as a loss, that way of thinking about it tends to stick in our heads and to resist our attempts to change it. What I take away from this research and from related research is that our view of the world has a fundamental tendency to tilt toward the negative. It's pretty easy to go from good to bad, but far harder to shift from bad to good. We literally have to work harder to see the upside of things. And this matters. So think about the economy. Here's economic well-being from 2007 to 2010. And you can see it tanked, just like we all remember. And then by late 2010, it had recovered by most objective measures. But here's consumer confidence over the same time period. 
you can see it tanks right along with the economy, but then it seems to get stuck. Instead of rebounding with the economy itself, consumers seem to be psychologically stuck back there in the recession. So oddly then, it may take more effort to change our minds about how the economy is doing than to change the economy itself. On a more personal level, what this research means to me is that you have to work to see the upside. Literally, this takes work, this takes effort. And you can practice this, you can train your mind to do this better. There is research out of UC Davis showing that just writing for a few minutes each day about things that you're grateful for can dramatically boost your happiness and well-being and even your health. We can also rehearse good news and share it with others. We tend to think, right, that misery loves company, that venting will help get rid of our negative emotions, that we'll feel better if we just talk about how terrible our day was. And so we talk and we talk and we talk about the boss who's driving us crazy and the friend who never called us back and the meeting at work where every little thing that could go wrong did. But we forget to talk about the good stuff. And yet that's exactly where our minds need the most practice. So my husband who has this disconcerting habit of listening to what I say other people should do and then pointing out that technically speaking, I'm a person too, has, <laughs> has taken to listening to me for about two minutes on days when I come home all grumpy and complaining about everything. And he listens and he says, okay, but what happened today that was good? And so I tell him about the student who came up to me after class with this really interesting, insightful question. And I tell him about the friend who emailed me out of the blue this morning just to say hello. And somewhere in the telling, I start to smile. And I start to think that maybe my day was pretty decent after all. I think we can also work in our communities to focus on the upside. We can be more aware that bad tends to stick. One mean comment can stick with somebody all day, all week even. And bad tends to propagate itself, right? Somebody snaps at you and you snap back and you snap at the next guy too. But what if the next time somebody snapped at you, you forgave them? What if the next time you had a really grumpy waitress, you left her an extra large tip? Our minds may be built to look for negative information and to hold on to it. But we can also retrain our minds if we put some effort into it and start to see that the glass maybe a little more full than we initially thought. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'm going to say that was an excellent reflection. Okay, that was so good. That was just so good there. Okay, very, very good. Um. So let's go over a few of the things that she just talked about. All right. So go back to the other link. Oops. Okay, so now we see that when we look at the gain perspective, the gain frame, we're looking at it from uh, basically an opportunist, uh, optimistic type of perspective. Um, so, for instance, she said it was 70% of the people and then 30% loss so what a few things is 
people are constantly thinking about rejection. They are always thinking about failure. Um, so she says that we should rehearse good news and retrain our minds to think about good. So instead of being snappy back at somebody, maybe we should just forgive them. Instead of being mean to the waitress, what if we just go ahead and leave them an extra large tip? You know, everybody is going through something. If you say something bad to a person, it's hard for them to recover from that. We see that in the last example that she gave. She gave an example about, um, you know, the economy and how the economy was either growing or declining and how the confidence level of people were like similar. It wasn't too far um, distributed from the economy's growth. So as the economy was declining, the, the confidence of people were declining. But we see that there was an inconsistency when the economy improved. It's because people are still stuck on the negative. So how are you seeing your life? Are you seeing it half full or are you seeing it half empty? We have to look at the positive things that are around us. So what are all of the good things that you could look at in your life and say, you know what? I have an optimistic attitude. See, I don't have a I don't have a car, but I have my I, I have the ability to walk. I have the ability, I have my limbs, I can get from here to there. There are people that are disabled that don't make excuses for anything in life. I see so many videos of disabled people and then they really literally get up. They do everything, everything for themselves. So it's like we as a people have to learn how to appreciate the things that we do have. So yes, I do have a car, but do I need to use a car or should I, you know, maybe bicycle should i do some bicycling instead of driving you know it's like i have options you know we have to look at those things okay well is it hard for you to get a job if it's hard do some volunteering prove your skills at a volunteer organization and then apply for a permanent role Don't just do volunteer work because you're mandated by the court. Do it because you want to obtain a job. Just say, hey, you have any volunteer opportunities? If you do good enough there, they're going to hire you permanently. Usually that's the way that it works, okay? So um, if it doesn't work that way, don't quote me on that, all right? It also it, it, it encompasses your performance and your production your attitude play a key role in your success your attitude and your walk with christ your relationship with god and how you're maintaining your relationship how you praying to god how you're reading the word how you're studying you know like i told a friend i said look please 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 stop talking to me about the type of wife you want if you're going to keep on not trying to focus on the right wife, 
Because if you keep the same mind that you had with the women that you had before, that means you kept the same man with these type of women who you like the same type of women over and over and over again. Then you're going to continue to get the same type of women. You understand? God doesn't want you there. God wants you married with your wife. God doesn't want you messing with this man, the other wrong man, another wrong man. It's just wrong. They're not right for your life. They miss the wrongs in your life. You want to make sure that you're getting a man that God is sending in your life where you're not making the same recycled mistake. You are allowing yourself the opportunity to think different. Your mind isn't attracted to the old. I tell you right now, look, I have been with some, I, I mean, honestly, I don't want to go back to nothing. Ever. Period. Nada. Not me. Okay? So if certain things resemble like the person, that doesn't mean that that that, that next person is going to have those same attributes, right? If you don't smoke marijuana, why are you wanting to be with a man that smokes? Do you think that he's going to sit there and be reading the Bible with you every day? So I don't, I don't choose to be, I don't choose to, I don't want a man that smoke. I don't smoke. Period. You, you have to go to church. I believe in God. I want you to believe in God just as much as I believe in God. I don't want all them problems. I don't want to deal with it. So, so otherwise, you're either going to change your mind about the way you perceive life or you're going to stick to what you know. Stick to the women that you're used to. Stick to the men that you're used to. That these are the people you're used to. You're going to go through the same heartbreaks because they're recycled mistakes. Because you chose to keep the same mind that allows you to go through the last experience. You chose to have the same attitude that, that kept you with anxiety and depression in your life. So instead of you choosing something different, you chose stress all over again, just with a different person. You chose depression all over again just with a different person because your mind allowed you to make that decision your thinking your thoughts allowed you to make those decisions it wasn't god that you included it wasn't god that you that you you know decided to include in your life and your choice and your decision you just said hey look i like this person But see, your like, liking of someone could equate to you doing what? Having ex, having uh, the anxiety, depression, stressed out, unhappiness, no joy, miserable. 
Who wants to live like that? No person will voluntarily live like that. No person wants to voluntarily be miserable. I would like to think that no person in this world will want to be stressed out voluntarily, right? So you have to make decisions in your life that are not going to allow you to be in that same situation. Don't repeat the same problem because you're choosing what you're accustomed to. You're choosing what you think is correct, but the, the those choices that you're choosing are going to be accompanied with all different levels of, of uh, a lack of peace. You're not going to have peace. Don't you think you deserve peace in your life? Do you deserve, you know, like uh, just relaxation? You deserve to be happy. You deserve it. So quit making choices that is going to give you the latter, that is going to give you the, the, the bad part. Quit making those choices. You have to change the way that you think. So going back to staying positive, you want to make sure that you're thinking about the negative things as a reminder of how far God has brought you. And as as the um, ledge would say, retrain your mind. Your life is full. And now you want your life to overflow with God's abundance. Not your life is empty. The glass is empty. I have nothing. Because you see, this is statistics now. That based off of the evidence, there is evidentiary claims that show that once a person start thinking negative, it's hard for them to get out of that negative thought. It is hard for them to get out of misery. It is very difficult to get out of stress. It is very difficult to get out of depression. It's like your mind is on a roller coaster. So let's go to another scripture. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It says, like a roaring, a roaring lion. Like. See, the devil can't be tough when God has given you victory. The enemy can try to do whatever it is. But God said, you won. You have the victory. So you have to say, this is, this is how I train my mind with the holy spirit it doesn't matter what it may look like it, it doesn't matter what it may seem right now in my life i've accepted god giving me victory you have the victory it doesn't matter about 
what you think you don't have. You have to quit focusing on being pessimistic. Quit focusing on what you don't have. Quit looking at the glasses being halfway empty. Look at it as being halfway full. Your life, what is it that you do have access to? What are what can you do in your life right now to improve? It's not about what you can't do. It's not about what you're not ready to do. Oh, see, I can't do this because of this. You can't do that because of this. You have to retrain your mind and unlearn things that has allowed you to stay in this permanent condition of excuses. God wants you to be alert. Be a sober mind, 1 Peter 5 and 8. So we see that this is the this is what God wants, and this is something that God requires of us. And how can you get there if you're not looking at it from God's perspective? You're constantly seeing life from a negative point of view. When those negatives, it's gonna be very difficult for you to get out of that negative mind. Because when you're stressed, now you have inverted faith. Now your faith is no longer in God. It has turned into doubt and unbelief. So you choosing to have doubt and unbelief and focus on the problem. You don't see no solution in your problem. So sometimes when I'm talking to people, I say, you know, like, do you see? A, so, so what is it that you would like to see happen? What is it that you what is it that you want accomplished in this situation? So it's like you have to look at yourself and say, okay, what solution do you have? Because I, many times you you don't want to contaminate the lives of other people with all of your negativity. You don't even want to contaminate your own life with other negativity. So in order to change it, you have to change the way that you think. You have to change the way that you're perceiving things. You have to change the way that you're understanding life. Because if you continue to think negative and speak negative, when do you give yourself the opportunity to focus on your options? What are your options? to improve your life. So let's look at um, Luke chapter six, verse 37. It says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Okay, so this is so serious right here this is something serious to me because um hold on one second i need to get my charger everybody one second
I apologize about that. So on the audio app, I use my cell phone. Um, so, so we have to look at this situation in Luke 6 and 37, where it talks about not judging others or you will be judged. Don't condemn it and you will not be condemned. Forgiven, you will be forgiven. So it's like sometimes when you go through something, having forgiveness in your heart means that you really have to let it go. And so the way that I look at it is when you don't know something, I look at everyone that have done something wrong to me. I look at it as a way in a way that they are not aware of the right way. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to do the right thing. So like unethical practices, people that sometimes lack integrity. There are so many different things that we are all learning. We are all experiencing things in life. But the way we have to perceive it is when someone does you wrong, it's because they are not aware that they're wrong. And sometimes some people are aware that they're wrong. They just wanted to see, they wanted to see you hurt. But let me explain that one. When they know what they did was wrong and they still do it and they want to see you hurt, they still are not mature enough to do the right thing. So it's like, instead of you want to see me hurt, we could have like talked about this and worked this out. You didn't have to go and do this or you didn't have to betray me. You didn't have to do that. And so really they still don't know the right thing to do. So you have to look at it from those perspectives. Like, okay, now if you, if you see somebody giving out slander they just slandering somebody else and and so the way i look at the bible i want to i want to correlate this scripture to something else because i have a a point to make here so i want to go to um i'm still on luke 6 and 37 but I also would like to go to another scripture here. I'm going to use a different um, browser for this one. Because um doesn't look like that browser working too efficient. So I'm going to go to Mark chapter 4 verse 24. Um, Actually, I'm just going to go to the whole book of Mark 4. Because I like to look at the verses before and after. So you're going to go to Mark chapter four and verse 21. No, and go, we're going to go to verse 24. It says, consider carefully what you hear. He considered continue with the measure you use. It will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And so what I think about this scripture it says, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So what this means is the measure of, of gossip that you use is going to be measured back to you. The measure of slander that you give, that's going to be measured back to you. 
The measure of giving that you give is going to be measured back to you. The measure of hatred that you give is going to be measured back to you. The measure of love that you give is going to be measured back to you. The measure of kindness that you give is going to be measured back to you. The measure of opportunity that you give is going to be measured back unto you. So the way I look at it is like, okay, everything that we do is a measure coming back to us. So I don't want to like, like my friendships and my relationships with pretty much everybody that's been close to me. They're not going to, you know, like say that we're not cool. Period. They like, because I built a reputation and a close bond with the people that I know in a way where it's like, I'm solid. They're solid, right? And so when you have Christ living on the inside of you, it's like, okay, your old life don't have nothing to do with your new life, but I still keep you in my mind long enough to pray for you. So even though we're not intertwined the same, they still there. You see what I mean? It's like we have to, you have to understand whatever measure you you make in this life is measured back onto you. So if your ex, my my ex-husband, he better not be saying nothing bad about me. And if he do, that's fine. He doing it because he disappointed or he upset with me about something. But most of the time, pretty much, it's going to be solid. You understand? And so we have to make sure that the way we're treating people is in a way where it's, you want it measured back to you. You want to build relationships and friendships with people where it can be measured back unto you in a good way. So I don't like... I don't um I don't sever friendships on bad terms. I don't. Because I've learned that you never know who you might ever need. So you're not supposed to walk around in bitterness or feeling bad. You know, your friendships and your network of people, you don't just cut your network in a way where you just wrong. So that's it. So you should be able to call people and say, hey, you know, how are you doing? You, you should be able to call everybody. It's just simple as that. And so we have to understand whatever measure you meet, whatever measure you use is going to be measured back to you. Your giving is going to be measured back to you. You want to judge that person who got a sign outside who want some change? You gotta you that you want them to explain their entire life story so you could get them a dollar. Before a person, before you go and help somebody, you want them to explain their whole situation for them to get $20 from you. 
See, like for me, I'm going to just tell you the way that I am. I Because I like talking about myself. I don't just like talking about people. I like talking about myself. If I'm doing something and you call me and you need something, I don't need to know all of the logistics and the, the context to why you don't have something. If I have it, I'm going to give it to you. If I see that you need it. You don't got to go through no long explanation. I don't want to hear it if you unless you want to pray about it. So we part, we are supposed to treat people the way that we want to be treated. So we the measure that you give, um, just for instance, slandering somebody, you don't know all the facts. If you wasn't present, don't slander people you don't know. You if you don't know the facts, you was not there. You don't know. So don't know nobody I know call me and tell me stories about other people now if we talking about something and we both was present on oh yeah that's fine it's because we both saw it we both was there so it's like oh okay so you you was there and you had to move this and you had to move that so that was after i left so that's the point it's like you don't want to slander people or talk about people outside of their presence when when there's accusations or different things that's being said. Don't get entangled in conversations of slander and gossip. Don't be driven by those type of things. So that's the way that I look at that. But the way when we go back to the um scripture we go to luke 6 and 37 do not judge and you will not be judged that goes the same way as it's interchangeably mark 4 verse 24. similar scriptures don't judge people you won't be judged quit looking at people thinking you know what you're talking about when you don't know their story you don't know what nobody been through you do not know you don't know where their life is headed, what, what path they on. You don't know. Just because you may think you know doesn't mean that you know. So it's important for us to analyze things from a perspective of having, you know, like just love for people and mercy for them. Um, For me, I like having conversations sometimes that are uncomfortable. I do have, I guess I do talk about uncomfortable things, Um, but it allows us to be able to gain perspective so we should not judge people so we won't be judged and that can be hard to do especially if you're walking in unforgiveness it's like well wait a minute are you seriously acting like that like why are you being evil like that why do you not see that that's evil let me pray for you god i just pray that you allow this person to see their actions God, allow us all to see our actions and what we do and what we say. And change whatever's in us that need changing so we can please you in the name of Jesus Christ. So you got to pray more about things than we talk about them. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is a prayer. Use the word of God and pray it over your life. So this is how I will pray this scripture over myself. Father God, I know that our the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, God. And I thank you, Lord. Please, I pray right now that you cast down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of you, O oh Lord, and bring into captivity every single thought into the obedience of Christ right now in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the scripture though. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. So you take the word of God and you start praying it over your life. You, you take the word of God and say, I like, like for instance, I've been praying another scripture. I've been praying um these it's three scriptures, four scriptures that I've been praying. Um specifically. So let me pull them up here. So I've been praying, um, Psalms 25 and 16 through 21, which it says, turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. But I don't just pray this for myself. I pray this for my entire family. So I say, Father God, I pray this for me, my children, Faith, Andrew, Caleb, Elijah, my mom, my sister, my niece, Navelle, my granddaughter, Alana, her mom, Nani, the body of Christ, and those that are lost but are destined for your holy nation. God, I pray that you turn to us and be gracious to us, oh God. For we are lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of our heart and free us from any anguish that we have. Look on our affliction and our distress and take away all of our sins. See how numerous our enemies and how fiercely they hate us. God, our, guard our life and rescue us. Do not let us be put to shame, for we take refuge in you. May integrity and upright, uprightness protect us because our hope is in you, O Lord. This is Psalm 25, 16 through 21. Another scripture that I pray is um, Psalm 27, 13. Father God, we remain confident of this, that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then here's another one, Psalms 31, one through five. In you, O Lord, we have taken refuge. Let us never be put to shame. Deliver us into your righteousness. Turn your ear to us. Come quickly to our rescue. Be our rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save us. Since you are our rock and fortress, for the sake of your name, lead us, O God, and guide us. Keep us free from the trap that is set for us. For you are our refuge. Into your hands, we commit our spirit. Deliver us, Lord. You are our faithful God. So it's like you take the word of God and you use it. And pray it over yourself. Pray it over your family. Pray it over the people that who you think need it. So all of this stuff is something that I pray. I praise God through uh, Psalm 41 through 4. We waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to us and heard our cry. He lifted us out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and miry. He set our feet on a rock and gave us a firm place to stand. He put a new song in our mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed 
is the one who trusts in the Lord. Blessed we are because we trust in you, are trust in you, God. So we ask that you bless us, oh God. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud. Father God, do not let us look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Do not ever let us uh, turn to any false god. In the name of Jesus Christ. So you just take the word of God and you apply it to your life. And you read it. You read the scripture and, 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 and say we and I. Put your name in there. Put your kids' names in there. Put your family name in there. Put your spouse name in there. Put your network of, of close friends in there. Put their name in there. So you look at Psalm 94 and 19. It says, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. So God comforts you. You just have to let God comfort you. So God, I pray you comfort me. Thank you, God, for comforting me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing me to fulfill your plan, will, and purpose, God. Thank you that I'm who you say that I am. Thank you that I live in victory. I walk in victory. Thank you that I have the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that I acknowledge you, God. Thank you that I accept you in my life and my heart, God. Thank you for being so embedded in me, God. It's like what they gonna say. Who cares? Who cares what they say? Who cares about what anyone thinks? Who cares about how they feel about who God created you to be? You don't have nothing to prove to nobody. Nothing. Just each and every day you keep moving on. You Each and every day you keep going. Each and every day you keep trying. Each and every day you don't give up. Never ever give up. God doesn't give up on you. Why would you give up on yourself? Failure is a way to teach you how failure teaches you what you should do. So when you make one mistake, now do it again. Do something else that, that is going to allow you to improve in that area. You want to improve your attitude? Start working on your words. Don't curse. Start working on, oh, I'm not going to curse. I stopped, I stopped using profanity. So it's, it's just about the way that you see yourself. Do you see yourself as great? Because other people can see you as being great. But if you don't see yourself as being great, then is it meaningless? God sees you as great. Do you see yourself as great? Do you see yourself as being able to accomplish your goals? Do you see yourself as being able to do what you need to do to sustain in this world? Or are you defeated? We don't walk around with doubt and unbelief because we're not defeated. We never give up. You say to yourself, I never give up. You say it out loud, I never give up. I never give up. I literally, honestly can tell you, I never give up. 
never give up ever. I keep going and trying because I take God with me. I get God with me. So that's it. That's all you need. That's it. So let's look at this other scripture. I want to go to um Philippians 4, Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. And then I'm gonna end on that note for tonight because I'm already at the two-hour mark. Okay. So I only have a few minutes left. So it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So remember this, whatever is true, the truth. Why would I be listening to somebody who is always speaking lies? They wouldn't be speaking the truth. Where, where, what angle they coming from? How they coming now? Well, what angle? What type of source are they? What motive do they have? Why are they saying what they saying to you? I tell my kids all the time. So, so my kids are adults. I have one emerging adult child. My son will be 18. That's my youngest child. But I'm saying this, that when I explain things to them, I say, okay, so explain to me. Explain this. What is their motive for saying what they said to you? Why did they need to tell you that again? Why did he need to say that to you? Why did she need to say that to you? You have to pay attention to the motives of the people that are speaking to you. Look at the source. What reason do they have to say what they just said? What are they trying to convince you of? What angle are they coming? Are they jealous? Are they hateful? Are they real? Are they telling the truth? Do they tell the truth on a consistent basis? What is they the pattern of behavior that they have? Do they have a consistent pattern of behavior that is not truthful? Yeah, your intentions were good, but you're a liar. I see you had an intentions. You tell you saying one thing, but your words do not match your actions. So that would be meaningless. Right? So if a person's words don't match their actions, how can they be filled with the truth? God is telling us whatever is true. Focus on that. Whatever is noble, focus on that. That means a good character, somebody that is upright, somebody that is that, that's righteous, people that are maintaining integrity. They have ethics. They have values. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, you focus on those things. Why are you listening to people who going around just robbing Peter to pay Paul and they not going to give a damn to nobody? 
They're not going to give nothing to nobody. See, the problem is, is it's not the poverty. It's their lack of giving. See, the principles of God are implemented for a reason. Even people that don't believe in God know the principles of giving allows breakthrough, financial breakthrough to happen in their life. Because they know what it means to give. So why would I be listening to someone who doesn't, who isn't noble? They, they don't know what it means to give. They don't give to anybody. So they're always going to struggle. They're always going to feel like there is financial struggle. It's poverty. It's so much. Uh, it's just everything is haywire in their life financially. Because it's always about them, 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 and them. It's never about anyone else. So life is about not what you can do for yourself, but what can you give to other people? And like I said, People that don't believe in God know the principles of giving. So breakthrough comes in your giving. If you know how to give, most likely I could tell you a giver is not going to be somebody that's stressed out about no money. They don't stress out over no money. You're not going to hear them talk about money too much. Because they are a giver. So money isn't a big concern. But when you're when you're always chasing it, you always going after it. You can't get nobody nothing. You got to just make your, your bank account big, your wallet fat. You get somebody, you get somebody $20 and you get $20,000. And you think you just did so much. Now you're going to go brag about how you gave somebody $20 and talk about them. So, like, you have to understand that your financially life isn't going to be right because you don't know the principles of giving. Giving allows breakthrough to happen financially in your life. And like my pastor, he said, he said, uh, my old pastor, he said, God don't, God don't have money, but God will send people in your life that do. And they will help you do what you need to do. God needs people to be obedient to him. So if you if you can be obedient with a little, God going to be able to supply your needs with a little and with a lot. Because he can trust you. It's all in that sacrifice. You remember when I talked about the desires that you have? It's like, okay, well, no, no, no. You do know you got to pay that bill. But one thing you do got to do is give to what belongs to God. Excuse me. You think that you could just pour into other people's life and, oh, I helped this person. Well, you just help somebody that go out here and do evil. So what good was that? They feet run to do evil. So you helping them, giving them money. Well, how's that helping the kingdom of God? See, a church, a uh, uh, assembly of God, they, they have to pay a water bill, a light bill, a gas bill, a maintenance bill, a lawn care service. What you think that stuff come for free? I mean, see, deception. It's like when people are deceived in one area of their life, the deception surrounds their mind in many areas. And that's the sad part. 
Because any any business is going to have overhead expenses. And if the pastor and the, the church people are always at church, when do they have time to go get a job somewhere else? So you have to understand it's through your obedience of what the word of God tells you to do. God says for us to give and bring ye forth the tithes into his storehouse. That's the number one important thing. If you don't know what that means, you're going to continue to go through things, right? See, it's about having breakthrough understanding. It's about having breakthrough understanding of what God's perspective is. If you are deceived financially, you're probably deceived in other areas too. It's a deceiving spirit. That's why God says in the last days, many will follow deceiving spirits, seducing spirits. They will follow doctrines of evil, doctrines of devils because of the, the level of deception that is the surrounding their mind. So I'm going to end on that note. Okay. Let me go ahead and um, stop the, the share. Um, so that was a good discussion on just thinking about the negative, retraining your mind to unlearn things that are not going to be beneficial to you in the kingdom of God. So it's so important for us to know that God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be financially situated, but it requires effort on your part, not just the effort, but implementation. It requires implementation in your actions. And remember, you don't give up on yourself. Never give up, ever. Never, ever give up. But how are you looking at that glass? Are you looking at that glass as halfway full or halfway empty? It's about you having an optimistic mind or a pessimistic mind. Allow God to transform your thinking. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace again. God, thank you so much for leading me in this discussion. We just pray that you allow us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. God, we ask that you retrain our thoughts, retrain our mind from all of the things that has been detrimental to our lifestyle, God, that has caused us to continue to live a life of sin, God, and retrain our mind. Let us unlearn things so that we can learn about you and learn about your word, learn about your qualities, learn about your will, purpose, and plan for us so that we can implement it into our actions, God, and into our reactions, into our thinking, into our mind, God. Allow your word to transform us. Allow us to begin to crave your word, God, so that we can understand what it is that you want us to do, God. We understand that we living in the later times, God. We see it in your word. Prophecy being fulfilled, God. Just give us a double portion of your love, mercy, and grace. And let us fulfill your plan, God. Give us favor in every situation and circumstance. But Father God, please, God, let your word.